Welcome back to the third season of Octopulse, our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. I'm assistant sports editor Mark Faulkner, joined by beat reporter Ted Colfin. Coming up, we'll hear from former USA Hockey Center Chaz Lucius, who was drafted 18th overall by the Winnipeg Jets this year. That was just three picks after the Red Wings moved up and took goaltender Sebastian Kosa. But first, Ted, you're back from Traverse City. After six days of practices and the annual red and white game at Center Ice Arena, what was it like being back in a rank up at training camp in Traverse City, still with COVID restrictions? But as you said in one of your very first stories up there, you said, ready or not, it's hockey season. The big thing there, Mark, just having fans in the stands. The red-white scrimmage on Sunday, that was, I think that was pretty much capacity, a couple thousand people or whatnot, but... Seeing the fans in the stands for the practices, certain type of energy. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, I think you you'd agree too. I mean, it's it was so different last season with no fans in the stands. It was just I know uh, the lack of emotion, the lack of energy in the place. Even for a simple practice like these, you know, several days were. It just was a different environment. I think the players really noticed it. They did. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, it was just, it felt like hockey season again. So, yeah, I think everybody was pretty excited about, you know, the foreseeable future, just getting the season rolling with fans in the stands for a change. Ready or not, like you said. So, Ted, going back to the eve of training camp, Steve Eiserman talked to the media about the upcoming season. His third as general manager after missing the playoffs for two straight years. Five years overall, they've missed the playoffs. And here's your question you asked Iserman about what fans can expect this year. Hey, Steve, I'm sure you're going to jump all over this one and be all totally honest. But what are your expectations? I mean, do you have a point total in your mind? I mean, what are your expectations for this season? It does seem like there is more NHL quality depth up and down the lineup. Do you just one, you know, Ted, honestly, I, I'm not really sure. I like that. You know, I've thought about it a lot. I think we're making progress here, but it may, it, I hope it does, but it may not necessarily relate into wins and losses. We're moving younger players into the lineup. And, 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 and I think it was important that, you know, at this stage that some of these young guys are moving in, like I'm going to use Michael Rasmus as, a, as an example, we felt based on the way he played, towards the end of the year that he's a positive contributor and we're expecting him to take a bigger role this year. Does that translate into wins and losses uh, or more wins than, than the previous year? I'm not sure, but these young guys have to move in uh, uh, and, and kind of t- uh, take over the role. I hope, but there's generally a bit of a, a process to you know moving all the younger players in the lineup doesn't mean you're better today i hope it does but it not necessarily works out that way so i don't really have an expectation for point totals i want uh you know uh philip zadina philip Peronic, uh michael rasmussen um any of these you mentioned lucas raymond or moritz cider if they're ready to go i'd add them to play a bigger role and and does that translate to wins this year i hope it does but it also may not but we're seeing um, younger players come into the team that are hopefully going to be here for the next 5, 10, 15 years. Who knows? Ted, on the last podcast, you said it would be a tall task for the Red Wings to even play 500 hockey in this tough division, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Boston, Florida. 
The Wings were eight games under 500 last year. Steve Eisman just said they're making progress, but it may not translate into wins and losses. How should fans measure progress this year, though, Ted? What are you thinking along those lines? I agree with what he said. I mean, mm-hmm. basically what you and I said last time we were on. I mean, I do think it's going to be difficult to garner a lot of victories in this division. I mean, there's a lot of good teams here. And not to mention this year, you're also playing some the other teams in the East and everybody in the West. Um, I think there's, there's definitely a path here for progress. You have a lot of good young talent. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to have some tough nights. Uh, but I think there's a path to, you know, there's going to be some good development here with a lot of these guys where you hope so. And if they develop, you know, it could be fairly successful, but boy, right off the bat, not having Jacob Verona here, this it looks like it's probably going to, the way they're dropping hints, it could be, you know, fairly lengthy. It looks like at least not for the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark, that's a tough loss. I mean, tough he's loss, sure. through pure goal scorers and you just don't, when you look at that lineup, Mark, I just don't see a lot of offensive potential there. I feel I still think it's going to be a struggle to score goals with this roster. And, and if that's the case, I mean, it's going to be tough to win a lot of games. Now, when you talk to Steve Eiserman, he used Michael Rasmussen as an example of a player taking a bigger role on the team towards the end of last year. And at practice the other day, you also asked Jeff Blaschel, about Rasmussen's development into a third-line center. Hey, Jeff, I know these things are fluid and things can change every day, every week, but as you sit there right now, what's Rasmussen's role right now? Where do you see foresee him playing? Where do you see foresee him playing? And you had, It seemed like he was one of the guys who really did take a step forward last season, don't you think? I thought he took a step forward. Now, the next steps are harder, um, but I thought he took a step forward. I think he's taken a step forward in this camp. I thought he was one of the better players in the scrimmage yesterday. I thought he did a good job. He was hard on the puck. He created space, um, played into what I think his role is going to be. You know, right now, you know, I'd love him to – I'd love – and we've talked about this for a long time, see him become a a guy who can be a – uh, a matchup type center who can play against the other team's best uh, and play on an energy and a momentum line. Yeah. And then, you know, do a good job net front on the power play. So that's, that's what we're, you know, working towards with him. Uh, you know, Jordan Stahl has been one of the best at that over the years. And, and certainly that's a comparison that we've talked to Ross about. Ted, the comparison at the end there to Jordan Stahl, high praise, of course, Stahl, he's 33. He's captain of the hurricanes over a thousand games, averaging, better than a half a point per game. He's Mark Stahl's older brother. As for Rasmussen, he's only 22, Ted. He has a new three-year contract, lots of potential. Jeff Blaschel just talked about him maybe being a matchup center with a bit of a momentum line. Rasmussen had 12 points in 40 games, so he's close to half a point per game. Do you think Rasmussen can be a shutdown center when the Wings are finally playoff contenders in the next few years? I'll tell you what, my friend, he's he really – he grew last season. He really mm. into a nice player. Um, he's definitely he definitely seems to have that potential. Got the size. Yeah. I think the skating is definitely coming along, but he he displayed a little bit more grit and feistiness that really helped his game overall. And he's always been a pretty good net front player. Yeah. I think there is definitely is potential there, Mark. I think he's definitely part of the plan going forward obviously and if he can 
grow as he did last season, they may really have something there. Uh, I like the way he played last year. I really did. And he's one of the players that I'm kind of keeping an eye on this season because, yeah, if he can progress even the, just steadily as he did last year, mm-hmm. there's a guy there that you could really do. Jordan Stahl is a good comparison. That's a, that's a tall hurdle, <laughs> tall hurdle to overcome. He's a good, he's a heck of, Jordan Stahl is a heck of a player, but if he could be half the player Jordan Stahl is, that would be a big plus for the wings. I know Red Wings fans remember Jordan Stahl back in the 2009 playoffs, Game Six. Oh, he, and, Mark, he was a great. He had a great series. He, he was, did, didn't he? He was a key part of that Penguins team that won a Stanley Cup that year and was such a powerhouse back then. And he, he's been a very fine player with the Hurricanes the last few years. One other note, Ted, from Steve Eiserman's opening news conference. Eiserman said Tyler Bertuzzi was the only unvaccinated player on the team and couldn't cross the border into Canada for nine games against Canadian teams. Here's what Bertuzzi had to say about his decision. Just personal choice, um, freedom of choice, and uh, life choice. And not being able to play in Canada, how much did that weigh on your decision yeah a little bit yeah but at the end of the at the end of the day it's it was a life decision um personal choice and uh and i made it when the (coughs) science proves has proven the safety of the vaccines what what goes into your reasoning um still not to get it personal Ted, you talked to Jeff Blaschel and Dylan Larkin, among others, about Tyler Bertuzzi's decision. They said Bertuzzi has the support from the team and his teammates. Only about 10 players in the league turned down the vaccine. In fact, New Jersey's goalie Mackenzie Blackwood recently confirmed that he's the lone unvaccinated Devils player. Ted, what will this look like for Bertuzzi moving forward? He's able to practice with the team and he'll follow the strict guidelines of protocols, masks, social distancing. There are restrictions, of course, on the other 32 road games that the Wings will play in the United States. Is this much ado about nothing or is this a, a, a fairly big setback for the Wings? I don't think it's a setback at all, Mark. I think. It's, I think definitely you can see it, see it and sense it that he has the support mm-hmm. staff and other players. It's just a, a hassle. I think it's a hassle or a cloud, not necessarily a cloud, just a hassle. He's going to be asked about it. He's going to be missing some games. Uh, I think everybody respects his decision, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it is going to be something that's going to hang over him. It's going to make life a little more difficult. Um, and uh, it sure seems like it'd be a little easier just to take the shot, but definitely respect the man's opinion. And he's going to have to live by it. I mean, there's going to be a lot more restrictions, like you said. Mm-hmm. Life's not going to be as easy for him on the road. But from a hockey perspective, I mean, you, you live by it. I mean, look, the guy could very, he very easily could have had been injured or you just you treat it as a guy who's had an injury and he's, you know, you're not going to have him in the lineup that night or for a couple of games. If it's a road trip, they'll, they'll survive. And there's other players that can fill in there, but mm-hmm. for Tyler himself, I mean, I just, it's just one of those things. I think it's going to be a hassle and he's going to be asked about it a lot. And, you know, from the team's perspective, yeah. I mean, they'll be, you know, for as long as he doesn't have the shot, it's going to be someone they're not going to be able to have for every game. 
Coming up, we'll hear from Red Wings forwards Lucas Raymond and Chase Pearson. But first, here's a conversation with USA hockey star Chaz Lucius, which was recorded before Lucius was drafted 18th overall by the Winnipeg Jets. Welcome to the podcast. You're talking to us tonight from Minnesota, from Grant, Minnesota, just outside of St. Paul. What's it been like, though, learning the game in a hockey state like Minnesota, Chaz? I mean, yeah, just growing up in Minnesota, I mean, it, it is a hockey state. I do consider it that. I mean, all my buddies played it, too. So, I mean, just the camaraderie and the friendships I've, I've had from playing hockey in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, just uh, the competition that, that I've had in Minnesota has been really special, too, just growing up. Can you tell us just a little bit about the Gentry Academy founded by your parents, the hockey director there is Billy Hengen, who has talked about coaching you since about eight or nine years old. He played at St. Cloud State. He's talked about the advantages of being like an independent team. You guys can also play high school hockey and you can play against like top Canadian teams like the Don Mills Flyers with like Shane Wright, who might go first overall in your brother's draft in 2022 and Brant Clark, who could wind up with the Red Wings in this year's draft as well. But how has that Gentry Academy, Chaz, influenced your knowledge and love of the game? I mean, obviously, Gentry Academy, it's been great for not only me, but all the other players that were on the team. I think from the team, we have seven or eight Division One hockey commits. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like it was just a really a, a team, team environment and a camaraderie between everybody. I mean, obviously, not many kids get to say they, they got to go through what I went through and, and then got to go to the NTDP. So, I mean, it, it's really special. And I had great coaches and, and great people around me to help me succeed there. And how about the role of Billy Hengen, who, who, uh, who played at St. Cloud State in St. Cloud, Minnesota? He's been part of that academy there. Can you tell me a bit about his role and, and uh, his influence on your career? Yeah, I mean, I I owe a lot to him. I mean, just just going to the rink every day. I mean, it's really almost like second father figure. Just just having him around. I mean, sure. you just spend rink and, and especially with him. I mean, we'd have practices every day, pretty much on the ice with him twice a day. And I mean, I got to spend a lot of time with him, and I'm I'm super close with him to this day. And I mean, he he had a big impact on me. He he gave me every opportunity to succeed, uh, whether it was in our summer hockey or with Gentry Academy. And, and I and I owe a lot to him for that. And, and he, and he showed me what it, what it meant to play with passion, purpose, and, and, and a drive for the game. You've talked about the transition to USA Hockey here in Michigan. Uh, at Gentry, you said there might be like 100, 150 students. And here, say at uh, Novi High School, which you mentioned, there could be thousands of students. Um, what, what was it like that first year? You weren't playing on the same team as your brother. That first year, you led the U-17 team in goals with 31 and tied in points. You won a silver medal at the World Hockey Challenge with 10 points in six games. What were some of the highlights for you that first year away from home? I mean, yeah, obviously it's a little different leaving leaving home, I think, for everybody, for any 16-year-old kid leaving home. It's definitely a culture shock just to even, just to even still be in the United States and just change states. I mean, it's a little weird and different. Sure. I mean, the biggest thing for me was obviously the school change, just going from a smaller school like Gentry with 150 kids to, to a bigger school with, I think, a little over 2,000 kids. It was definitely a change. But, I mean, hockey hockey still stayed, stayed the same, and everybody was great there at the NTDP to, to you know, keep me, keep me going in the right direction, and, and I owe a lot to them as well. Chaz, when did you um, injure your knee? When did that happen? You said it was a fluke thing, maybe a puck to the knee, then a bone lesion, arthroscopic surgery, no incision. 
Uh, there was no walking for three months and hyperbaric oxygen treatment five days a week. You probably dealt with Brian Gallivan, who Luke Hughes said on an earlier podcast, helped him put on a lot of weight and actually improve his game. But I'm just wondering, how did you handle that first major injury? I mean, yeah, obviously it was it was disappointing, especially in your draft year. I mean, you want to you want the world in your draft year and you, you know, you want to play, play all the games and you, you want everybody to, to see what you can do on and off the ice. But I mean, obviously I was disappointed, but I mean, I just looked at it as a positive each and every day to, to keep continuing to, to get better, grow my mind, grow my game and, and to continue continue to get back and then uh, when I got back with my team it was awesome to finally be back playing games again. When I talked to your coach Dan Muse the other day Chaz he said that your work ethic was far above and beyond anything he could have imagined that your dedication to coming back and not being able to put a lot of pressure and being able to walk for a long period of time all the uh, extra work that you spent and as you said it was maybe a, a chance for growth there as well it would have been very easy to be disappointed but I just wonder if you look back, did you think you were capable of coming off or handling an injury like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I always knew that that I was a hard worker. And I mean, this this really tested me to the max. I mean, I was, after I could walk, I mean, I had to retrain myself how to walk again, then skate. Uh, I, I mean, I wasn't skating until end of December. And then I played my first game in February. So, I mean, I was doing sure. two days, uh, a skate a day just, just to try to get back this year. So, I mean definitely owe a lot to the team that helped me uh i actually rehabbed at the training house uh, actually in minnesota and they, okay. they helped to get back to, to where i am now Chaz, like just the idea of you learning how to walk again here's one of the top 10 prospects for the draft who didn't get to play as much as he would like and you know steve eisenman talks about injuries and adversity and how difficult it is and all the obstacles that that come into play with players who are drafted you know, back in 2002, Steve Eisenman had a knee realignment surgery with a doctor in London, Ontario, and there was like a 50-50 chance of returning. And anyway, he just talks about mental toughness and, and, and the difficulty and things that crop up into your, your, your growth as a hockey player. And I'm just wondering again, so you knew you were coming back, right? But the whole idea of, of learning how to walk again, Chaz, how... That, that's that's incredible with with any of these injuries i mean i i promised myself that i'd just take it one day at a time and, okay and uh i mean even just getting the movement back in my knee was was pretty difficult as well but i mean i worked at it every day non-stop i mean literally almost 24 7 to, to get back this year so i mean i and i do owe a lot to the team that helped me to uh my yeah. physical my doctor everybody but i mean it's pretty easy too when i when i had a good positive people around me supporting me each day and, and uh, cheering me on as well just a few more things uh chaz uh dan muse also talked about your shot which comes up quite frequently when when uh, scouts and other people talk about your game and, and he said that you know you would spend a lot of time in the shooting room in plymouth but he goes you can't just shoot the puck you have to have a purpose with what you're trying to do and he talked about your accurate shot that, you know, in tight, you can do it as well. You can pick a spot when you're shooting those pucks without getting into a lot of detail. Like what is that purpose that Dan Muse was talking about that you're not just shooting mindlessly? I mean, obviously it comes with a lot of repetition and, and practice, but I mean, when you're, when it's game time, I think the best thing to do is just, uh, you know, you go over the game plan in your head, what you're going to do with the puck before, before it actually gets on your sticks. Okay. And then, 
thinking then when you're shooting the puck, you're just, you're just shooting the score. I, I think it's the biggest thing for me. And that's what I try to think. I, I kind of play the scenarios in my head. Then when I get the opportunities or chances in the game, um, yeah, I, I don't think when the puck comes in my stick, then I just shoot. Now you weren't able to play in the under 18 world championships and USA hockey jazz doesn't release personal information on players who are minors, Dan Muse simply said that it was unfortunate you couldn't play, and it was a rather unique year for everyone. What are your thoughts about not being able to play at the uh, World Championships? Yeah, I mean, it obviously, I'd, I'd say it was a very unfortunate situation. I mean, I worked so hard to get back, and, and unfortunately, uh, you know, it, it didn't work out that I was able to play. Unfortunately, I got sick, so uh, it was disappointing, but I mean, there's nothing I could have really done about it. I, I gave it my all trying to come back and a disappointing ending, but um, it is what it is. I'm going to have to live with it. And finally then, Chaz, the Detroit Red Wings, you've had some time now in this state and you're going back to Minnesota next year, unless you're drafted by a team and very few first round picks get to stay uh, with the NHL team that first year, but you've had some time uh, here in Michigan. What are your thoughts if you do get drafted by the Red Wings? Yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously it'd be an honor to get drafted by the Red Wings, more importantly, any, any team, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it'd, it'd be awesome. Uh, just, just playing in my Michigan, in Michigan the last two years, it, it was great. And, and I love the state and, and I love the people there. So, I mean, it, it would be, it would be awesome if I got the opportunity to play there. Jazz, thanks again for uh, spending some time with us on the podcast, talking to us about your Minnesota background, your recovery from that knee injury, and learning how to walk again a little bit, and some of your goals heading forward. All the best heading into the NHL draft, Chaz. Thank you. Our thanks again to Chaz Lucius, one of the top picks in the 2020 NHL draft. Now let's hear from Lucas Raymond, who was the fourth overall pick in the 2019 NHL draft. Here he is talking about his chances of making the team after these exhibition games, which begin tonight in Chicago. I mean, of course, you, you, you want to play in the NHL. That's a, that's a dream that probably every kid has that, that plays hockey. Uh, but at the same time, I think for, for me to, to play as good as I can, I just need to focus on every practice, every game, uh, and not focus on that. And um, I think that would help me as well. Ted, what did you make of Lucas Raymond up in Traverse City? He's just 19 in his first camp. He had those three goals in two games in the Prospects Tournament. Jeff Blaschel said it should be clear, even to his wife, that Lucas Raymond should be on the team, that he's not just going to be a player sitting in the stands, that he needs to play uh, significant minutes. Do you think it will be clearer about his status before the season opener against Tampa Bay on October the 14th? Hey, well, Mark, you, you saw uh, glimpses of that, you know, potential. It really he does seem to have a lot of skills. Frankly, though, I'd still be a little surprised if he starts mm -hmm. in Detroit. I think he's, he could use a little more, just a touch more seasoning in Grand Rapids. But, no, you definitely saw the play. The kid seems to have a pretty good shot. He knows what to do with the puck. Uh, he's a little bigger. I'll say bigger. He's a little bit more stronger, more filled out than I thought he was. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot, lot to like, but let's see him in games. I mean, some of the, those scrimmages and those, even those tournament prospect tournament games. I mean, they don't really hold a candle these exhibition games or whatnot, or obviously the regular season. So let's see him play some actual games. But uh, no, like I said, in, in spurts there, you definitely saw. The impact you could have in the future and another exciting young player for sure 
Another young player who's trying to make the team, Ted, is uh, 24-year-old Chase Pearson, now in his sixth camp after three years at the University of Maine and three years with the Grand Rapids Griffins. Here's what he had to say about possibly making the Red Wings. I want to come out, put my best foot forward. Obviously, goal is making the NHL, making the Red Wings roster on opening night. Um, you just give them a reason for me to stay, right? So I'm going to try and do that every day and, and be a positive attitude around the rink and just uh yeah i guess that's that's about all i can do and things will fall in place or or they won't we'll see so ted can chase pearson make this team there's room for a fourth line center you wrote about luke glenn denning leaving for the stars pearson is now 6'2 200 pounds he had 22 points in 28 games in that abbreviated ahl season last year is he on the bubble could he make this club Mark, I think you could make the team. He's on the bubble, but boy, oh boy! First and foremost, what lettuce? What a <laughs> what great hair! And even Joe Fashel kind of complimented him in one of the Zoom sessions. Guy's got a all-world mob of hair there on him. It's, it's definitely top-notch. He's I mean, he definitely has a chance. He's definitely in the running if he puts together a solid training camp. I think it's exhibition season. I think he's got an opportunity. He's another guy that I would think he would probably would need a, just a tad more seasoning in Grand Rapids. But mm -hmm. if he puts together a good training camp, he's in the mix. There's definitely a good handful of players down there in the third, for that fourth line that they could choose from. Obviously, Giovanni Smith. Um, Blaschel kind of hinted he didn't like Giovanni's practices there a couple of days in Traverse City, but – there's, uh, I mean, Mitchell Stevens, I don't know, we haven't really talked about him. I thought he looked interesting. Mm, okay. Red Whites, had two goals in the red white scrimmage. You look good in the practices. Plays with a little bit of speed and momentum. I think he could, he may have the inside track, I would think, for the center position on that fourth line. There's a lot of different ways that can go there. Uh, I don't know. If, if, well, I was going to bring up Bobby Ryan for a third or fourth line, but if, there's injuries there. I think Bobby Ryan has a chance to actually make the – he's on a PTO, obviously, but he has a chance to play up on a scoring line if the injuries keep mounting here. Kind of puts a bow tie to it, Mark. I think it's nice just to be talking about hockey. It sure is. And in a normal yeah. setting. It's not – trust us. I mean, I think we both understand. We both know it's still not at all normal. Uh, there's still restrictions and whatnot, but it feels a little more normal for sure than it did last season mm -hmm. or in terms of that. So that's, that's awfully nice. And let's get the season started. I think a lot of people are excited. It's, I think an 82 game season again, knock on wood. Mm -hmm. um, and you know what? There's and the parity in this league, too. I think a lot of teams have a chance to legitimately be talking about a Stanley Cup, too. So from the Wings perspective and everybody else, I think it's going to – I think a lot of people are, actually, are, are getting ready to get this season started and it should be a lot of fun. Ted, thanks again for your time. That'll do it for uh, today's podcast, episode 59. For more Red Wings coverage, you can check out your stories and earlier podcasts on our website at DetroitNews.com and on our Octopulse Facebook page. Today we have a story about Detroit native Jalen Smerick taking a leave of absence after a racist gesture in the Ukraine. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, Instagram Stories, and Snapchat. 
Thanks again, everyone, for listening. If you get a chance, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We'll talk to you before the season starts. 